All right. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for being here, everybody. Good morning. Um, let's start with Prosper and Louisville, Dallas, and our global community. Thank you so much. Let me tell you how many things we got to thank God for. Over this last year, um, you, this church, because of your outreach, your dedication, and your passion, over 500 people that did not know God last year came to know him as personal Lord and Savior. Can I get a witness, somebody? Come on, if when one gets saved, heaven rejoices, we ought to be a little more celebratory than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me get some more. Let me get some more. That ain't none yet. I need you to know we've baptized more people this last year in a pandemic than we ever have before. How are you going to do that in the midst of a pandemic but for the grace and the mercy and the blessings and the favor of our great God? I promise you, I am blown away. By the way, because of your generosity... You, you gave about 20% more than you did any other year previously because of your generosity. Thank you for your generosity toward God and all he has to do here for us. Now, um, today is a... You not yet. You got to wait. Not yet. You're not supposed to go yet, okay? You almost, you know, messed up my influence. It's okay. Praise God for it. You're going to see it. There's a domino effect coming, all right? You're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. By the way, let's just kick them all down. Oh, okay. Thanks, Matt. You can put them up. Um, if they come down again, just leave them until we're done, okay? Um, in addition to all of that, ladies and gentlemen, next week, we don't have just one service at these campuses, okay? Um, because of the grace of God and a little bit of vision, we knew it would have been uh, extraordinarily cold here in the DFW area, and most of us don't know how to handle cold, so we would stay home in our little huggies and uh, our little snuggies. And uh, so enjoy it while we suffer here at church for the glory of God. Hope it's been good and as, you, as you press click at home, okay? Praise the Lord. But on next week, on next week, it's 8, 10, and 12 again. Okay, fam? And on Saturday, too. Next week, we start back. You had a two-week two week break for Saturday services. Next week, we start Saturday and 3 on Sunday at the Plano campus at Louisville and at Prosper, 9 and 11, Dallas, 10, 30, and then Global. You can choose any of them on Sunday that you want to experience. Okay? But on today, we have one service. Boy, I tell you what, it felt good to get up a little later today. Uh, can I get a witness? Anybody that volunteer in this church? Anybody? That. See, if all you do is come to the 10 o'clock, then God bless you. But it starts about 4.35 in the morning for some people. By the way, just so you know, we've got an incredible, I need to give props to everybody in the parking lot at any of our campuses today. Thank you for being in the call, serving us so well at all our campuses. Great, 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 great job. Uh, I want to shout out one more person that worked incredibly well today, uh, our facility manager. We lost power here, and we lost some stuff at about, at about 1 in the morning, and we have an incredible team that got up at 1 in the morning to make sure everything was good, the temperature was warm. I'm just telling you, y'all, you have no idea what people do to make sure that you have an incredible experience. I just want to tell them that we are proud of you. We are grateful for you. Your, your service is not unnoticed. We cannot do this without you. And we are grateful that because of your sacrifices, everybody gets to enjoy the normalcy of church as if chaos was not happening four hours ago when you were trying to uh, talk to co-serve and whoever else you needed to talk to to tell them, we got church. And we're going to have church. So put on your little lights so that we can have church for the glory of God. Praise God, somebody. Woo! All right. That's enough, 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 enough. I think that's all. Pastor Matt, is there anything else I need to say before we jump into this word? Are we good? We good. All right. Now, everybody at every campus, you need this. I am, I, am, I am going hard. I need everybody to be in the Word of God this year. Everybody. So here's a, here's a devotional that our staff did. You need to go pick it up. I, the reason we didn't give you when you were coming in is because we don't want you just to get it and we'll make it easy for you. We want you to make a choice and to go pick it up so you can start your reading. So you're in the Word with us every day this year, you and your family. 
you will thank God for it. I promise you. So just go get it and start the reading process of the Word of God as we get closer in our relationship with God. All right, let's jump in to the Word today. Um, if you follow Jada on the, on the gram, you will know that I was working real hard yesterday in the name of Jesus, um, even though I probably shouldn't have been, but I was for the glory of God. All right, uh, let's start in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew the 18th chapter. I don't even know if they have it on the screen today because uh, today you get to see what happens when we don't have a Saturday service, okay? All kinds of stuff happens when we don't have the preparation service before we go. So, uh, Matthew chapter 18, we do. Will you stand and let's read the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 18, we are starting today a fast from 3, from 3, from 3 p.m. to 6 a.m., the entire church is. So if you go to this church, globally or locally, you should be joining with us, okay? The Cowboys are already in the playoffs. You don't need to watch another game. It's going to be all right. We're heading in the right direction. Praise the name of the Lord. It's okay. Don't be the reason they lose today. Anyways, um, so from 3 p.m. to 6 a.m., no food and no entertainment. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's see. Let's see what God has to say. Uh, uh, no, I don't want Matthew chapter 18. Excuse me. I want Isaiah chapter 50. Yeah, there we go. This is the one I want. Isaiah 58. Here we go. Everybody ready? Let's read. We're going to read a little lengthy today. We're going to verse number 10. All right, let's read out loud. Everybody ready? Cry loudly. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteous and, and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God, they ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. <clears throat> And you do not see. Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you will find your desire and drive hard all your workers. My, my, my. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with wicked fists. You do not fast like you do today, to make your voice heard on high. Stop right there. In other words, he's saying, you fast for all the wrong reasons. In other words, you say, he says, in your heart, you're wicked. But you're trying to get God to hear from heaven and answer your cry. What he's suggesting is be careful when you say you're fasting. And in America, in our culture today, you're really only fasting to lose weight. Be careful, he says, when the real reason you fast is because you know you're a little overweight and you're trying to drop some pounds. So it really has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. He says, be careful that you're not fasting because you want to get closer to me. You're only fasting because you want something from me and you think you can manipulate me to get it. He says, be careful when you go into this fast that you're not setting yourself for more pain because your motive is all wrong. He says, be careful, one family, as we go into this fast. I don't want you to fast because you want something from God. I want you to fast because you want to give God more access to you. Let's go. Keep going. Come on. Here we go. Next verse. It says, it is a fast like this, which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Here we go. Is this not the fast which I choose? to loosen the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, 
to, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Here we go. It is not to divide your bread with the hungry, ma, 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 and bring the homeless poor into the house. When you see the naked, to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own. Stop right there. Don't move it. Don't move it. Don't move it. Watch what happens to you when you allow God more access to you. Then you don't see the poor as somebody to just shower money to. But now you want to step into their world. Because now you're seeing it through God's eyes and not through your Colin Denton County eyes. You've seen it through. I want to feel their pain. I just don't want to address their issue and walk back into my mansions. Um, you see what happens when you see the naked. You don't just say, here goes some clothes. You, you want to humble yourself. Next verse, verse number, verse number eight. Then your light will break out like the dawn. And your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your... Let me read this again. Watch it. Your recovery will speedily spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the God will protect you from the rear. Do you see what's happening when you decide, God, I'm not fasting for me. I'm fasting because I want to see the world through your eyes. Because I want to give you complete access to who I am, which is what you want anyways. Come on, let's see if we can finish it, the last two verses, and then we're done. Verse 9. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke, of, from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Next one. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. Just for the sake of it, read the last two. Next two, for 11. Here we go. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Last verse. Here we go. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will rise up age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. You may be seated in the, in the house of the Lord, my God. Father, will you guide one community church the global as well as the local communities. And will you remind us of first things first. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the entire month of December, I have taught a series that we have called Sacred Rhythms. The reason for that series is to remind us that we're not supposed to be, be us simply asking Jesus to follow us. But we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, current day Christianity argues that it is Jesus' job to do for us what we want him to do. I am suggesting through the series that it is God has called us to be followers of Jesus Christ. The way to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to practice the things that remove the, the hold of the world toward us and to release it so that we can be men and women who are leaning in to Jesus Christ. The only way to do that, the main way most Christians have done that for years, for centuries, for decades, is 
through what we have called, not we, but the Christians have long called, the spiritual disciplines. Without them, without them, you can say you're a serious Christian, but you really are not. Because the only way to detach from the world is through the disciplines of our faith that will then lead you to being and having a closer relationship with Jesus. In light of that, we suggested that there were seven doors in this series of spiritual formation. And that you move from door number one, two, and three, that's where 95% of Christians live. And we're suggesting that door number four, five, six, and seven, that they have seldomly been experienced by modern day Christians. Because we have sought to have Jesus follow us and not us become followers of Jesus. In light of that, ladies and gentlemen, this entire series have been teed up to say there's a reason why. You need to be practicing silence. There's a reason why you need to be practicing solitude. There is a reason why it ought to be a daily reminder for you to practice this thing called fasting, which is what we are inaugurating and kicking off today as a church family. On, on New Year's Eve, we suggested that, and we gave everybody a, a, a bowl, and we suggested that you ought to give up that bowl every week. As Jacob did, he gave his own up and he got the blessings of God. What I'm asking you to do is to, on a weekly basis this year, we're kicking it off the whole month, <clears throat> excuse me, but I'm asking you to give up your bowl every single week, once a week. Why am I asking you to do this? Because for centuries, it was, it was weird for you to be a Christian and not fast twice a week. It was, it was you could not say you're a serious Christian. If you didn't fast twice a week from the 1700s all the way back to the time of Christ. If you were not fasting, then you, you would, they would argue that you're just a joke Christian or a Christian that's playing around. Because you have to deny yourself to make sure you're zoomed into who God is and what he wants to do in your life. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, please note this. <clears throat> that the one thing that all major religions have in common, every last one. Is they all fast. Everyone. So then why is it that for all the other religions, they're still fasting. But for some reason, Christians have believed we don't need to. It's not that important for us to, for us to give something up in the physical to gain something in the spiritual. Why do you think that is the case? Two reasons. Reason number one, <clears throat> because oftentimes people use fasting as a legalistic tool to argue that if you don't fast, you're not that good. That is not the case, and that is not what we're saying today. Jesus Christ died to set you free. Jesus Christ died to give you his righteousness. You don't have to work for that. You're not, you're not fasting to be righteous. You're fasting to get and to release yourself from the, from the claws of this world so that your mind will be focused more on the Jesus who died to give you all the righteousness that you have. So the one reason why people don't want to do today is I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I don't have to do any of that. I'm just free. I can get it all. That's one reason why Christians say, ah, not that important today. Second reason they think it's not that important today is because they believe that, that since Jesus gave it all to me, all I have to do is be grateful that I'm going to heaven. So therefore, I don't have to bring heaven to earth because I'm just grateful that the rest of y'all are going to hell. I'm going to heaven, so I'm just glad. Do you see how self-centered that thinking is? Do you see how, 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 how incredibly intoxicating toward yourself that is? But yet still, that's why we refrain from doing it. So, in light of that, if, all, if Christians from the 1700s and before would all fast so that they can have a closer, more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, then why aren't you? Secondly, we suggested in our review from, from a couple of nights ago, is that since the first sin happened, 
Adam and Eve because of food. And since the, the second Adam, that's Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, happened, and the first temptation after 40 days of fasting was food, then there is something about food that the enemy knows that if he can keep you eating, then he has opened you up to other sins that you will not say no to because you can't say no to your own body. So one of the reasons we're, we're inaugurating this thing this year, again, as is our normal tradition as a church, is so that we can remind ourselves that our body is not in control. And that's what we called on, on, on New Year's Eve the pleasure principle. The pleasure principle simply says that it is, it is, it is, it is your inability to say no that drives you to this, 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 this desire to always consume. It's the pleasure principle. Now, if we cannot fix it when it comes to food, then you cannot fix it when it comes to alcohol. If you can't fix it when it comes to alcohol, then you can't fix it when it comes to shopping. If you can't fix it when it comes to shopping, then you can't fix it when it comes to greed. If you can't fix it when it comes to greed, then you can't fix it when it comes to pornography. If you can't fix it when it comes to all because you can't fix it in the area of food. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big deal for the body of Christ, which is why no wonder the enemy wants you to say, it's not that serious. I'm not giving up entertainment. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I pay for the electricity. I pay for my, my, my channels. I pay for, I must do whatever I want to do. That's because you don't realize the far-reaching ramification, because if you can't give it up for Jesus, who are you going to give it up for? Who are you going to give it up for? So she says, you mean to tell me he's given you 365 days and you can't give up five? He's given you the freedom potentially for the rest of the year. And he says, I just want the first one, the first full week. And you can't give it up because you love what you love so much. It's called the pleasure principle. No, here's what you will not do. You will not link this pleasure principle to why you want to give up on your marriage. You won't do it, but it is the same principle. You won't use the same principle and ask, why in the world are you, is it so difficult for you to honor God with your tithe? It's the same principle. You won't see it. Why is it that I won't give up on this? I, I, I just can't shake this principle. But then you won't see why you don't want to share your faith with somebody else. It's the same principle. All because you want to please you. What does fasting do? It puts a pause on you pleasing you. What, what you do when you fast is you're saying, God, I've had enough for me and it ain't working. So let me try and see what would happen if I decided that I'm going to put a pause on pleasing me and try to now feed the spirit of God inside of me. What happens when you do that? What happens when you, you exercise a different set of muscles and instead of just pleasing you and what you want, now you decide, God, I am going to satisfy the spirit. My deepest longings inside of me, I'm going to satisfy them by feeding the spirit and starving the flesh. This is so important. Why do you think Jesus needed to fast 40 days and 40 nights? Why do you think your Savior needed to fast 40 days and 40 nights before he started his ministry? But yet still, you just want to get up and say, I'm called, I'm called, I'm called, I'm called, I'm called. Use me, Lord, use me. And yet still, he fasted because he knew something and he knows something that you and I have not yet fully comprehended. Here it is. That the more you fast, the more spiritual strength you have. The more you fast, the more spiritual strength you have. Now, what that should mean for you and me is then we should be able to say, God, then I need more spiritual strength. But instead of saying that, we say, I think I can do it by myself. No wonder, no wonder things get so shady in the spirit because you can't see as clearly as you could. 
So pick your notes up. Let's see if we can walk through it real quickly. And let's see if we can get through it and then jump through. So the first page is all review from last time. And then I'm going to jump into it. So the problem is that our body, the core problem is, and why we need to fast, is that our body has become our master. That's the core problem. Our body has become our master. So our body tells us what to do and then we do it. And if, it's, if, if you can't control your body, then when it comes to the mind, you're not going to control it. And when it comes to your heart, you're not going to control it either. So the goal then for us is to make sure that we are starving the flesh and feeding the spirit. All right, so you go through all the pleasure principle, doing what feels good in the moment, all of that. And then we get to the four reasons, Philippi page over now, then you get to the four reasons why we have to fast. The four reasons why this week is so important. The four reasons why I am pleading with the body of believers at one community church to do differently this year and to give up something in the physical for greater need in the spiritual. Let's pick them up, all four of them. Number one, the reason you want to fast and the reason we're doing this is because we're denying the flesh and we're feeding the spirit. You can look at both when Jesus did it and both when Daniel did it in chapter 10. The, the passage in Daniel chapter 10, you remember this story. When uh, Daniel asked God for something, God sent it, but Daniel didn't realize it. And so he started to fast so that the angels would have the victory as the enemy was fighting the answered prayer. And so Daniel fasted, and in the fasting, then God gave them the victory to answer the prayer that he had. Listen to me. You have no idea what's happening in the unseen world of your life. No idea what's happening in the unseen world. And they own, some, sometimes, God says, this can only come by prayer and fasting. There is a level of spirituality and a level of spiritual victory that only comes from prayer and fasting. So my question is, I wonder what is it that God is trying to get to you but can't get to you because you love your body so much, you're not willing to fast and ask God to do the impossible in your life. Why are we doing it? We're doing it because we're trying to tell our body no so that we can feed our inner man, the spirit of the living God within inside of us. Number two, second reason why you do this, I talked about this on Friday, is for the, uh, the solidarity with the poor from an internal, not an external perspective. I, when, you, when, the, when you have hunger pains this week at about 8.30 to 9 o'clock at night, when you, you want to eat something and when you want to watch something, and everything inside of you says, I have freedom. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. I can just do what I want to do. What, what's supposed to happen to you then? Is it supposed to trigger, that hunger pain is supposed to trigger something that says, God, thank you for the reminder that my body is in control. And God, will you continue to help me to, and remind me that I need to feed the spirit of God inside, not the body of flesh. Will you please remind me of that? Number two, second thing you're supposed to say, when you have that hunger on the inside, you're supposed to say, God, is this how 30% of the world really feels? That's hungry? But God, I, got, I can see food, but they can't. God, will you help me have more awareness to pray for my brothers and sisters who don't have as much as I do? And God, thank you for allowing me to have what I do and that I can fix it in an instant if I want it. No, will you help me to be more aware of where I can send my money to to help those who don't have so that they can have the luxuries that I get to have where I have food for the next five weeks, where they don't have food for the next five minutes? Can you pray for that kind of uh, awakening of your own heart, family? Are you even aware of it? That the rest of the world, as you walk around in your bounty, as we walk around with our bounty, that the rest of the world, people God loves just as much as he loves you, are in excruciating pain. And that's not that's not between 3 and, and 6a. That's every day. And that's not just for them. That's for all their kids too. And you get to, and I get to enjoy it. And we don't even think of them. And you're supposed to be a part of the body of Christ? I'm supposed to be a part of the body of Christ that has an awareness of what's going on in the world and want to make a difference about it? 
and we don't, we're not even aware of it. Because we make sure everything in our lives is now curated toward us. And we only watch what we want to watch. And if it's too painful, I don't want to see it. And here's what fasting does. It doesn't let you live in the clouds anymore. It brings an awareness to you. So that as a believer, you see how blessed you are. Now when you come to worship, you have another reason to praise God. Because you could have been, you could have been one of them people who don't have no food at all. And don't have no food in the days and perhaps years ahead. And they have to go join a line. And they have to wait for that line to get a little bit of flour so that they can take it home and cook for them 18 kids that they got. And each of them got to share it. But you don't, you know what's so funny about you? You know about it because your mama almost had to go through it. And now that you got a little bit of change in the bank, you want to act like that's so beneath me. When you're still really one sickness away from it again. So what are we doing? We're gaining an awareness that we don't usually have, family, which as a church and a body, as a body of believers, we have to be aware of what's happening because your God is not a local God. He's a global God, which means what's happening in the rest of the world, you should be aware of it too. Sitting around in your swimming pool. Pray. You know what your prayer is today? God, don't make the pump burst, please. Please, God, I don't want the, what happened last February to happen again. Instead of praying for people who pool, pools, you pray for a pool? They praying for food in their bellies. You praying that it doesn't freeze so your pipes don't. Sid Diddy. That's what we are, Sid Diddy. But that's what fasting does. It helps you see the rest of the world. Can I get a witness in our family? Come on, man. It really does. Really, really does. Number three. Number three. No. Whew. Having tasted the kingdom, nothing else will satisfy. I can stand. This is a whole sermon that I might do a series on later on. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, thy kingdom. You, the, the Lord says, hey, man, here's, when you pray, here's how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Here we go. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. After you honor God, the second thing you should pray is that this kingdom that God is setting up, that it will take rulership and reign here on earth. Listen. Listen. Why we don't pray that? Why is it that we don't pray that? Um, in a marriage se series earlier, I taught you that you ought, you ought to be looking for the marriage when you get together with Christ face to face more than you should be looking for your own spouse. Of which it went over your head that time, which is going over your head right now. Let me say it again. There is, there is, there is this insatiable desire that you should have to see Christ face to face. As Christians, as healthy, maturing Christians, there should be this insatiable desire that you cannot wait to get to heaven when all of this will be done away with and you will see your Savior face to face and you will worship him in spirit and in truth and you don't get bored about worshiping God because that's what he created you for. He created you to worship him and so worship will happen 24 hours every single day of the week of the year. That's what should happen. No, here's the problem. When we have never even seen or tasted what it feels like to see him face to face. When you've never even gotten a glimpse of what it feels like to be with Jesus face to face. Because you don't spend time in your closet. And because you don't spend time, you alone unhurried with God in silence and solitude. When all the, all the stuff of the world has been shifted away. And you get to just bask in the goodness of God. And you get to enjoy his presence. And what it feels like to be in his presence. Because you've never experienced that. Then you don't, you've never tasted. And since you've never tasted, you don't know what you're missing. Now listen, what fasting does is it removes all the distractions so you can get in touch with who your Savior is again. 
Well, Thassa, tonight, about 10 o'clock, first of all, you're going to go to bed much earlier than you ever have before. First thing. Because you're going to be, this is what you're going to do. At about, at about 8 o'clock, you can't watch nothing, and you'll be tempted, and you'll be like, ah, ah. and you're not going to know what to do. So then you're going to go lie down, and you'll be like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what do I do now? I don't have nothing to do now. What, because, because your whole world has been your phone, your television, and your friends. That's been your whole world. So when you remove it, and all you have is your thoughts. <laughs> Some of you are going to run to bed quick because you don't want your thoughts to fill your mind. So you're going to say, oh, I need to go sleep, 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 sleep. Just go to bed, sleep. Oh, praise the Lord, it's morning again. And then you're going to get up about 3 o'clock and you're going to go, oh, God, it's not morning yet. Oh, God, I need to go sleep. Here's why. Because you don't even like your own thoughts. So you fill your life up with everybody else's thoughts, comparing yourself to everybody else and what they're doing. Because you don't have a life of your own that you can enjoy. What, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to get you so you can see him, so you can hang with him, so you can delight in him. But if you always cloud yourself with everything else, you'll never be able to see it. So what am I asking you to do? Taste and see that the Lord is good. No, 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 no. Not because he did anything. Just because he is. <laughs> Just taste and see. But the, the problem with our culture is we, you, got to do, you got to see some results. But not with your God. With your God, you just got to know you're still alive. With your God, you got to know you're still in your right mind. With your God, you got to know that he still allows you to take another breath. With your God, you got to realize that he allowed you to live in this great country. You could have been living anywhere else. And the more you ponder all that had to take place for you to be where you are today, you're going to stop and say, how great is the God that I serve? I'm telling you, fam, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you got to get used to it. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to, we're trying to give you a taste of what it will be when you and Jesus just hang out alone. Unhurried. We're not going nowhere. Just us, Jesus. And it's going to be uncomfortable because you're not used to it. And it's okay. Kick it. Stay there. Don't leave the room. Or if you fall asleep, get back up and stay there again. I'm telling because you're going to fall asleep. Monday, Tuesday, you're going to be like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Last one, number four. Number four. Here we go. Last one says this. It says, having tasted the kingdom, nothing else will satisfy. And then put the last one up for me, please. What's number four? Here we go. That's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. I know what it is. It is the potency of your prayer life. It, is the, it amplifies our prayer life. That's number four. It amplifies our prayer life. You got it yet? Not yet. That's number four. It amplifies your prayer life. In other words... There is now more power associated with you as a believer than when, than before when you did not fast. Yeah. Let me explain what I mean. Um, Jesus fasted for those 40 days and 40 nights. It is at that point when the enemy shows up and he says to him and he gives him three temptations. Now, what was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to repeat what happened in the garden. Because remember, the animal kingdom had now the power. Because Adam gave it to him in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus now has to take it back from the devil so that he has it and he can now give it to man, which is what he had originally intended to do. So now in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, the enemy says, no, I got him. How am I going to get him? After 40 days, I'm going to say, hey, man, if you, you're hungry, aren't you? Come on, it's 40 days. You haven't eaten. Come on, just turn these stones into bread. What did he offer him? He offered him significance, he offered him success, and he offered him security. He offered him all three. Adam said, I need all three, give them again. Jesus said, I don't get those from you. I, get, I already have those because my heavenly father gave them to me. 
So I don't have to earn those. I already have them. Since I have them, get thee behind me, Satan, because you will not do to the first Adam what you will not do to the second Adam what you did to me. Because I know who I am and know that God the Father had baptized me and gave me his affirmation over my life. And because he said who I am, I don't get that from you, devil. I get that from my daddy. Ladies and gentlemen, you get all three from your daddy too. You get success, you get significance, and you get security from your daddy, which means no boss at your job got to give that to you. You got it already, which means, no, 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 which means no entrepreneurial endeavor gives that to you. You got it already from your daddy, which is why you don't let, like for me, I don't let the church divine who I am. This church, nor you, don't find that my heavenly father defines that and he says I already have success whether two people come to this church or 200,000 people come it does not matter my success does not depend on who or what you do it depends on what Jesus Christ says my significance does not depend on whether you like me on a given day or on whether you think the sermon is good on a given day my significance come from the king of kings who says my son I am well pleased with you in light of that you go and do what I've called you to do ladies and gentlemen you don't get your security from what you have in your 401k you don't get your security from what you have in your bank account you get your security from what Jesus Christ says because he really is the great physician he really is the best lawyer you could ever have he really is the best protector you could ever have his name is Jesus. And if you don't settle that issue, you will continue to use people to affirm your own self as opposed to get it from Jesus Christ himself. I'm just trying to help somebody. You want potency in your prayer? You stay away. And you say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit of the living God. Because the more you fast, listen to me please, the more you fast, the closer you get to God. The closer you get to God, the more he reminds you of all the things that he has already given to you that you don't have to earn because he's given them already. Trying to help you fam. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So now let's go from there into these seven things and then I'm done. All of these comes out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I, I'm, just, I'm just concerned that Christianity has simply become an exercise in God bless me and God protect me and not intimacy with God. That's my concern. It's my, concern. It's, it's my whole concern for a whole year. For this entire year, here's my prayer for you. That you will give up your bowl every week. I want this church every week for you to give fast from something every week and tell your body you're not in control. Say it with me. You're not in control. Every, all the campuses, come on. You're not in control. Two more times. You're not in control. Last time, everybody. You're not in control. All right, come on. Let's go. Uh, let's read Romans chapter 12 and then let's see if we can land the plane. Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and verse 2. You know it. It says, I, therefore, in light of Romans chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11, he says, therefore, in light of all that I just said, I urge you, my friends, urge you. I am pleading with you. I am begging you. If you get this, it will revolutionize your life. It's the pivot chapter in the book of Romans. And he's now getting ready to tell you, based on the salvation that's so full and so free, based on him sending the spirit, that now you have the power to overcome the flesh. He's saying, based on all of that, here's what I want you to do now. I urge you, I'm pleading with you, by the, and then he uses this phrase, mercies of God. He says, in light of of all the things that should have happened to you but did not happen to you, in light of the goodness of God in your life, he says, I am urging you to do something. The motivation for what I'm telling you is that God has been extraordinarily being gracious to you. And in light of that, I want you to do everything I tell you to do. Here you go. Watch what he said. Will you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice? Notice what he says. Will you present your, will you present your, will you present your, 
What does he know? He knows that your body is going to have the tendency to want to run your life. So he says, I want you to present your body. I, um, um, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, to offer it as just um, a little token. I want you to be a sacrifice. I don't want you to, to, to simply say, hey, do you think it might be a good idea if I give you an offering or a sacrifice? Is this an offering? Or, no, 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 no. I don't want an offering. I want a sacrifice. You know the difference between the two, don't you? Um, uh, what's his name again? Uh, 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 a chicken and a pig said to the farmer, let's give him some, we're going to give you some breakfast. The pig says, mm, not a good idea. Chicken says, I think it's a good idea. I'll give the eggs, you give the bacon. <laughs> You'll get it by the time you get home. He said, he said, he said, I'll give you some eggs. No, no, no. That ain't costing you nothing. You want me to give some bacon, which means I got to give my whole life. But you just want to do- donate a little bit of egg, and then you're going to be all right. That's what most Christians do. You just want to do something that inconveniences you a little bit. You just want to give a little bit of egg and say, God, here you go. Here you go. Let me make a little donation to you. God, here you go. Let me offer you a little bit of, a little bit of pain. It cost me a little something, but not a whole lot. It didn't cost me my whole life. What God is saying in fasting, this one's going to cost you. I want you to present your body. I want you to say, body, you not running nothing. You ain't running nothing in 2022, body. I'm going to tell you who's going to run it. The spirit, my spirit within me that connects with the divine spirit. The spirit's running stuff in this house this year. It ain't going to be the body. I present to you, he says, a living sacrifice. Which means when I go on the altar, I'm not coming off. I'm staying. Because I'm going to say, God, I'm not, I'm not letting it run things this year. It's run it for a long time. The pleasure principle has run my life for a long time. Enough is enough. The text continues. He says, all right, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual. This is, what, this is what you should do. It's reasonable to do this in light of all that God has done, his mercies. This is what you should do. Next verse. Then he says, if you do that, if you present, if you realize the motivation, which means, God, you've been so good, I'm going to now serve you, not because I want something from you, but because you've been so good to me, it's the reasonable thing for me to do, because of how good you've been, that's my motivation. Now, God, since I'm going to present my body, I'm going to say no to my body every day, now I'm not going to conform to the world. No, I'm not going to conform. Why am I not going to conform? I'm not going to do what the world does because now I've allowed my body not to run things. I've allowed my mind to say to my body, you're not in control. The spirit is. So now I want to hear what the spirit says before I just do what the world tells me because I'm not going to conform to this world, but I am going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can do the things God wants done. And now I don't have to worry about what God wants to do because he's going to get rid of the things, my affections and my longings that the world wants me to have. He's going to get rid of them so that I can only want the things he wants so that it will be obvious what God's will is because anything I want is going to be God's will because I've been spending time in God's word and away from the world so that now everything I desire, it comes from God. So he's going to give it to me because it was his idea in the first place. So he says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. You don't have to to guess anymore. You don't have to guess anymore because you're going to be able to prove it because the world's not influencing you anymore. The Spirit of God by the transformed mind is. So look at these seven and then let's let's see if we can land the plane. Here we go. All of them are from this verse. Here we go. Number one of all seven. Number one, fasting is not a way to earn God's love but to respond to it. You're not earning anything from God, ladies and gentlemen. You're just responding to it. It's the motivation for everything you do. 
The reason you fast is because, God, I don't want the world to influence me. I want you to. God, the reason I'm fasting is because of all that you have already done for me and my family. I can't believe we get to do all of these things. I can't believe we get this freedom that we get. I can't believe any of it. And I am so grateful. I want more of you, not less. That's where it starts, the motivation. Number two. It then goes, fasting is presenting the body as a living sacrifice. No, God, I'm saying, I, I, I have to do this. Every week, I'm giving up my bowl. Every week. Because I want to remind my body that I am sacrificing it for the sake and for the glory of God. So, no, that's why I do it. I'm not just going to lay an egg. I'm giving God everything. Number three. Here's what he says. Fasting enables you now to do, to be squeezed, to not be squeezed into the mold of this present age. Why am I fasting? So that I don't, so that my most dominant influencer is not the world, but it is the world. Why am I fasting every week? Reminding myself, I don't just do what the world does. I've got to evaluate it through the word of God first. I don't just do what my friends want me to do. I got to evaluate it through the word of God first. So I'm giving up this thing every week, every week. I'm doing it at some time in the day. I'm giving it up. Why? So that the world doesn't always educate me. God's word does. Number four. Here we go. Exposes the weaknesses of the mind and where faith helps us to strengthen it. When you're fasting, all of a sudden now, woo, the things that you love don't have that much pull over you anymore. When you, when, you, when you fast from a Cowboy game, when you fast from a football game, wherever you're watching in the NFL, and you say, you know what, I, I, I want to know to go, all of a sudden now, you start to highlight some things that control you. Some thing, now you start to see what you love a little bit too much. Now you start to see stuff that you should love, you don't love, but stuff that you love has become so normal that you don't even realize the pull that it had over you, which is why you can't help but watch it even though you know you shouldn't watch it. All of a sudden now, your awareness, your antennas become so much more in tune. And all of a sudden, you're like, ooh, this got too much pull over me. Ooh, I want to watch this too much. Ooh, no, no, I need to stop. I need to leave this alone a little bit. Number four. Number five, it says fasting brings transformation to the soul by the renewing of your mind. Now that your soul is going to be transformed and the things you used to love you don't love and the things you're supposed to love you start to love because you start to say no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God. Number six, it says this, fasting restores your hunger for God. Sometimes we just put ourselves on automatic, on coast. And not realize, and then that's when you start complaining against your other Christian friends who are radical for God. But now you be like, you do too much. It don't take all that. It don't yes, it does take all that. Yes, it it does. does take all that. And they're not the problem. You are. Yeah. The fact that you want to be lukewarm is the problem. Because yeah. God says he wants to spit you out. Yeah. But the problem is that what is supposed to be right is seems wrong. And what's supposed to be wrong seems right. Because you, the the carnal average Christian is now saying that the person who is passionate about God is wrong. Well, when you fast, you start to say, now I see what they were passionate about. Now I see why this hunger is stirring up inside of me. All of a sudden, they're not as fanatic anymore because you find yourself now saying, give me more of Jesus. It's what you do over time because your hunger for him increases. And the things of the world are not that important anymore because the things of God are. Last one, number seven. Number seven. It helps you to know the will of God. It helps you to discern what the will of God is. Now you don't have to guess. Hey, you guys, what do you think God's will is for my life? You naturally know it. The problem is too many of us think we know God's will when we ain't never spend no time with God. That's the problem in the church. No one said, oh, yeah, God told me the other day. He didn't tell you not a doggone thing. You're too carnal to know what God's will is. He didn't tell you nothing. That ain't God. That's your own flesh that you don't even know it because the body controls you so much, you think the body is now the spirit. But it's not until you say no to the body long enough 
that no, God's will starts unfolding in front of you. And all of a sudden, now you can see clearly now. Um, let, me, let, me, let me give you this. In history, you got to read history sometimes because history will remind you of, of some of the great things God did. Listen. Anybody ever see the movie Dunkirk? Dunkirk? It's, 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 the, um, it's the evacuation of the British and Allied forces when they were leaving Dunkirk, right? So it was World War II. The Germans are invading France and Belgium. And about, about uh, yeah, about 300,000 uh, British and Allied troops are there. And they're wondering how they're going to get out. It looked like it was going to be the slaughtering of soldiers all along the beach. And um, what you don't, what many people don't know about this incredible day is that a miracle took place that very, peop- very few people give God the credit for. Yeah. Very few. So here's what happened. They're going to all evacuate from, um, from Dunkirk right outside of Belgium there. And they're trying to, they're trying to get them out. But on the, at the best estimates, everybody said only about 20,000 soldiers could have gotten out because the, 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 the German soldiers would have obliterated them. So they prayed and they fasted. Here's the picture. Let, let me see this picture. Take, take a picture. See this picture right here? You can't see it. Outside of Westminster Abbey. They, they're lining up to go into prayer because they call the day of fast. The day before the evacuation of Dunkirk. This is an incredible story. You have to read it sometime in history. But it's incredible. And they're fasting and they're fast. The entire day was a day of fast. The whole nation. Because if they lost this battle and they didn't get their men out, then they could not then turn back around and fight the battle and win on the church here, right? Anyways, and so they're fasting and they're fasting and they're praying. Ladies and gentlemen, they got over 600 individual men who had boats, who would take the boat through the strait up into Dunkirk to get men out. Listen to me, never happened in history before. And you had these 600 men with their own individual boats that went straight up the strait into Dunkirk to get these men. Under normal circumstances, most of those boats would not have made it if the, if the sea wasn't calm on that day. Under normal circumstances, the big boats couldn't get in there because the sea was too shallow. So you couldn't get in there. And the whole nation prayed. And the whole nation turned to God. And the whole nation said, will you save our troops? Will you save our families? And ladies and gentlemen, in that two-day span, over 300, they thought 20 would come out. Over 300,000 men. By the way, all of a sudden, um, Hitler created this halt of action. All of a sudden, a halt of action so that they wouldn't go any further into slaughtering British and Allied troops. All of a sudden, never did it before. All of a sudden, a halt happened in his strategy. Never before happened. The seas are calm. Never before happened. Individual guys took their boats up to go try and save these soldiers. And three hundred, over 300,000 men got on smaller boats and got out of there and was then able to turn the tide and then fight against them with the U.S. and win the battle. Listen to me. Nobody tells you about the day before when they fasted all day long to make sure that we would be victorious in that evacuation. Ain't nobody telling you that part of the story. But you need to know that you got a God that when you cry out to him, he can hear from heaven and make seas, rough seas, calm and make dictators and murderers halt a battle that they don't even know why they halt in the battle. All of a sudden, all of that's happening because when God hears from heaven, he can turn around seas, he can turn around military leaders, he can turn individuals into heroes, all to save some people so that his perfect will can be done on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' name. I'm just trying to tell you. Because when you follow God and when you decide that you're going to take him seriously and you're going to fast because of the mercies of God and you say, God, because of what you have already done, I'm going to inaugurate a fast and this fast will set into motion a revolution into your life that will cause things that are dead to get out of that ground.
that will cause people that are sick all of a sudden to be healed. That will cause people who are not saved to be saved all of a sudden. That will cause people who are hungry to find food to eat. All I'm trying to tell you is you don't know the God that you serve, but if you ever dare take him seriously because of the mercies of God, if you ever dare say to him, I will sacrifice my body so that the Spirit of God will have access in my life, then you watch, sit back, and watch the goodness of your God in this place. Do it at your own risk, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm telling you, you give God the first of your week this week and watch what he will do. Not because he needs to show you anything, but because he wants you to taste and see how good he is. That's the God that you serve. Can I get a witness, fam? Can I get a witness? Will you stand to your feet? Everybody, wherever you are, stand to your feet. Let's pray. And let's ask God to do something in our church, in your homes, in this community, in this world, like we have never seen before. I, I just want to dare to believe that, he, that if you take him seriously, I urge you, therefore, by the mercies of God. I urge you, I'm Paul is saying, I'm pleading with you. Will you sacrifice your body so that you don't conform to this world? So that you be transformed? So that you can know the will of God? You're worried about what decision should I make? Should I? Should I? Should I? Should I? Should I? Here's what he says. I urge you, in light of who he is, will you present your bodies? You present your bodies and tell the principal. Pleasure principal, you're not going to win this year because I got a tool that's going to use. I'm going to use this year for the glory of God against me. I'm going to give up my bowl every week, every week, 52 times this year. I'm going to give up my bowl. To remind myself that the pleasure principle has no place in my life. And church, I promise you, if you do that, watch the presence of God in your life more than you have ever seen it before. And more than I pray for a blessing for you, more than I pray for God's favor on your life, more than I pray for all of that, I want God's presence to increase in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom and then everything else will be added. I'm not praying for the everything else. I'm praying for you and I seeking him first. Will you raise your hands to God? Heavenly Father, here we are. And what we're saying is we haven't always done this right. We haven't always sought you first. But as for me and my house, and as for me and the one community church family locally and globally, what we're saying today going to put you first. We're going to put you front and center. And the way you know that we're going to do it, God, is that every week this year, we're going to give something up. Not to lose weight, not to feel good, not to not feel bloated. We're going to do it because we want more of you. We want, we want you to have more access of us in our lives. We want to open the door. You're knocking at our doors, God, and we're saying... We're letting you in today. We're letting you in. We're giving you full access. We're opening up our hearts. We're giving you full access. We're saying to our bodies, you're no longer in charge. The spirit of the living God is. So therefore, God, fill every heart, fill every mind. May this be the breakout year that we've all been waiting for. May we marvel not at the things you give us, but at the, at the complete access that you now have of our lives. Give us clarity like we've never seen before because you have access like you've never had before. We're pleading with you, God. This is our cry. You can keep all the other blessings. If you don't give us this one first, we don't want it. We want this one first because your word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Your commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your hearts. 
what we need to do first. That's what we need to do first. So as a body of believers, we recommitted to loving you first. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the grace. You could have taken us out last year. You didn't. Thank you for your grace. We're recommitting again. Here we go. We're going to love you with all our hearts, all our minds, and all our souls. What a joy. What an opportunity we have ahead of us. Go before us, lead and guide us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Come on, I said, and everybody said. Woo! Hallelujah to your name, God. Be with your people. May your face shine upon your people. May you guide them. May you protect them. Most of all, give every last one of us a desire for you like we've never had in the history of our lives. May it be, may we never quench it. Yes, it is. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, family, listen, listen, listen. If you're not in a community group, you really do have to fill that form out. So I pray that you fill it out. If you want to join our church, that's the form you fill out. If you want to accept Christ, that's the form you fill out. Whatever you want to do, that's the form to fill out so that we can know, so we can get you connected. Singles, tomorrow night, all the singles in our church need to be on the same call. All of you. So all you've got to do is go online, get that number, and you need to be on the same call. We're ready for you. Couples on Tuesday. Every couple. We're fighting for couples. We're fighting for singles. Monday and Tuesday. This is a change in our program. We've never done this before. Monday, singles. Tuesday's couples. Say that with me. Monday's is who? It's not in church. It's online. Tuesday's is who? All right. The couples, you didn't so so. All the singles. Any singles in the house? Good, good, good. Stop. Any couples in the house? Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, okay, all right, all right. All right, so fill that card out, please. Thank you, everybody. May this year be your best year yet. You're dismissed. Love you guys.